Hey, everybody. Well, this is a special super secret uh, layer interview with Stefan Chandler Garcia, part of our regular Dallas Salesforce user group. Uh, but uh, we didn't have time. We ran out of sessions for the end of the year, but still had some content to deliver from Stefan Chandler Garcia, great friend of the group. So we're going to have a quick 45 minute, hopefully you'll enjoy this video when it finally gets posted. And I don't know why I'm talking as if this is really live because it's not. So Stefan, uh, thank you very much for, for joining us again and uh, bringing some more content on Salesforce functions. This will be a deep dive um, for whatever you want to show us and what you've got to show for what's going on new. I didn't want to wait till next year to get this content out and in the air. Yep, well, thanks for having me again. I, at last month when we were talking, Paul had mentioned that he wanted to have some functions content coming up and perfectly, I'd been working on a roadshow for our team to take around to all the user groups around functions, how to get started and a little bit more information. So more than happy to share that today with everyone. All right, I'll stop sharing and hand everything over to you, sir. Great. Okay, so I can see the, the blue glare in Paul's room to know that my slide is, <laughs> is working. Um, and so most of you know me by now, but my name is Stefan Chandler Garcia, and I'm a developer advocate at Salesforce. And today we're going to be talking about Salesforce functions and taking a look at some of the code behind the scenes and some of the cool stuff that you can do with them. And to start out, um, I do have to give our forward-looking statement. So just please make any purchasing decisions based on our currently available technology and not any of the future features or functionality that we may be talking about today. So just a quick overview. We're going to talk about Salesforce functions in general and how you can get started with them now. We're going to talk about some of the interfaces that we provide for you to use. And we can have a little bit of Q&A. And we're going to have Q&A through the session with Paul anyways. And if you have any questions, while you're watching this video, put them in the comments on the YouTube video below, and I'd be happy to respond to them at a later date. So let's start off by taking a step back and looking at the world of cloud computing. A lot of us are very familiar with software as a service. Obviously, we have spent and built our careers around platforms like Salesforce. We have different things like backends as a service. We have platforms as a service for any of us who are building lots of custom apps on Salesforce and using it as a platform, or we have lots of great infrastructure providers like AWS, Google Cloud, Azure, and the list goes on and on and on. And in that stack has emerged this world of functions as a service that allow you to create serverless functions that you can invoke from anywhere, from any application, uh, that allow you to do things with your, with your code. Uh, in this case, sort of what is a function? Um, and it's, it's a single purpose. A piece of code is that's used for a single purpose that you're calling on demand whenever you need access to it. That's short-lived and it's a microservice. So putting all those jump, that jumble together, it's a bite-sized piece of code that you're using to do something that you don't always need access to and that you don't have to use all of the complex infrastructure to run. So for example, a function is just a file within Salesforce functions in your IDE that allows you to take a little piece of JavaScript, a little piece of Java, a little piece of TypeScript, host it and just call on it on demand when you need it. It's meant to be a quick throwaway action that is super lightweight, 
that can help you achieve a lot. Now, are you actually forbidden from calling it the lambda calculus derivative name of <laughs> lambda? Well, lambda functions are a product of AWS. Uh, I, I would, I would differ that they branded it, uh, but it, it was actually derived from Lambda Calculus being okay. kind of a, a stateless function. And, and that's, that's where they came up with their name, but I believe a Lambda function still predates uh, AWS, but I could be wrong. Okay. And, and that's, as you know, have we just welcomed Megan to the call as well? Yeah. Indeed. Yep, fantastic. Hello, hello. If you have any questions, bring them up during the session. We're going to try and make this as interactive as possible awesome, as we go awesome. through. Yep. I'll be asking questions. Yep. Megan will probably be asking good questions. So that's how you'll be able to tell us apart. Perfect. <laughs> and so um, we've been hearing about Salesforce functions for a while now. So I'm not telling you anything new here. Um, but functions, they're, they're, what's, what's really good about Salesforce functions as opposed to building functions on other platforms is that number one, they're part of that Salesforce trusted infrastructure, which is super important to a lot of the customers that we're working with because they like to see their data living inside of that trust boundary. Um, they're super flexible. They scale up and down as you need them. You can write them in multiple languages, currently JavaScript, TypeScript and Java. Python is on the roadmap, calling back to that forward-looking statement, as well as if there are any other languages that people are interested in, please let us know um, so that we can prioritize them accordingly. And lastly, what makes them even better is that you can use them with a lot of the platform capabilities. You can call them right from Apex. You can call them through Apex into Flow and in other parts of the platform that I think are going to continue growing and expanding and are going to provide a lot of opportunity to have that, just that extra bit of compute power on top of Salesforce. So I just now, got to ask really quick, you said Flow. Yeah, yeah. Um, we all know that Flow Orchestrator is just coming out. Mm -hmm. So what type of cool stuff could we do there? Like give an example. Yeah, yeah. So in relation to Flow Orchestrator, so if anyone's listening and isn't aware of Flow Orchestrator, um, it's a new tool that we provided that lets you sort of stage screen flows or almost like in a, in a giant workflow process. So say we have um, something like employee onboarding where I'm a new hire at the company. I need someone in finance to go and set up my business accounts and all of my payroll. And I need that to then be sent to someone in IT to provision me a computer. You can stage flows to be automatically triggered and sent to those people when it's necessary for them in that stage. So once I've sent all my financial paperwork, we can trigger a flow to go through and provision IT through Orchestrator. And it's super useful. Now, when we talk about calling them from functions, um, calling functions from flow, a great use case is like financial calculations. So if you have to do any complex calculations that you're not able to do in Apex, or maybe there's a JavaScript library that you can just import into your function to use instead of having to write all the boilerplate, um, I've got an example we'll show in a little bit where we're doing some distance calculation through a function so that we can return the nearest point of contact in a flow. Uh, and it, it pretty much offloads anything that you're sort of hitting limits in within Apex when it comes to processing large file sizes, et cetera. And that's when, when I talk about this slide, like about that elastic scale. Um, it allows you to push outside of the boundaries of what you can do within Apex because of the size and volume of the transaction that you're able to work with um, as compared to working in Apex. So for example, 
if you're working with a file, so say you've done a call out to an API and you're getting back a list of contacts or a list of opportunities from that API, in Apex, you can only handle a file up to six megabytes if you're working synchronously and 12 megabytes if you're working asynchronously. But that's really only a couple hundred thousand records. And a lot of our large enterprise customers are working with a lot more data than that. And functions are the perfect solution to that because there aren't the same type of limits when it comes to working with that volume of data. So really quick, so you, you mentioned finance and the, uh, the calculators uh, functions. Can you do mm -hmm. like an amortization schedule with functions? Like could that solve all of those problems? Yeah, totally. That's yep. a huge pain in I mean, Apex and anything. Yeah, yeah. It, yeah. So one of the big ones. So, um, I mean, let's 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 make this unbelievably interactive. I'm so sorry. Uh, no, no, it's great. I think it's great. So, um, let's let's fast forward quickly. And really quick, a for couple anyone that hasn't had to do an amortization schedule before, it's like when you buy your car and you have to figure out your payments and the different discounts and the different yeah. taxes at the different times. Huge pain mm -hmm. in the butt. If you yeah, if you so, want to save these for the end, Stefan, this is uh, no, no, this yeah. is great. <laughs> so so first off. Um, Myself and my colleague Julian wrote an app called Functions Recipes that sort of helps you get started with functions. That's on GitHub. Oh, yep. Thank you. Yeah, of course. And so um, this you can use to get all kinds of examples around how to do stuff within functions. Now, I actually, we also built a demo for uh, Dream TX last year that did lease calculation on cars. And so it was a function that you could use as a lease calculator that we were calling from a flow, actually. Um, hold on, let me pull that up. Uh, let's see. So bear with me, let's see. Actually, you know what? It was in our old repo. I don't have that code handy. However, we were able to go and find an NPM package that did lease calculations for cars and just import it into our function and do the lease calculation in like minutes with the function. And it's super easy. Something that's it's it's standard, however, yeah. not something that you would want to do in Apex. So uh, um, I spent weeks and months trying to get an amortization table together that worked properly with Apex and worked properly with discounts. Yeah. Insane. Yeah. This is yeah. awesome. Oh my gosh, I'm in so, love. <laughs> so here's an example. And so so this example um, in functions recipes, we call it our large data, our process large data function. And this comes from something I needed to do about a year ago. And I was putting together a, a live session around taking a database that's public online. So code.org have this database of, of coding schools around the world that they have publicly on an API that they keep updated that you can use as like a programming example. And I wanted to get that data into Salesforce and I wanted to calculate the distance between that school data and my current location. I wanted to sort it. And then I wanted to display the nearest five results to the user, which seems really simple. However, the file is larger than six megabytes. And so I had to write an app in Go and put it on Heroku and host my API there just so that I could get that data into Salesforce to display to a user. And it seemed like a perfect use case with functions because 
it does some of the things that you have can have trouble doing with an Apex, like uh, processing large files and sorting maps. And so I can do that all within the function. And so in here, you can see in the function, uh, let me just collapse this down. Uh, I'm importing this file here that we already know it's over six megabytes. So normally we wouldn't be able to use it in Apex. Okay, and every time we spin up the function, we're getting that file. And then when we go in here, we have our data property here. And so we're setting data up as event.data and that's gonna pass in the payload from Apex. And so when we look at the, the constructor, we're passing in the event, which contains things like the payload. We're passing in the context, which is your org info and things about the user who's invoked the function. And then we've got the logger that we can use to log and debug the function, okay? So in this function, this is, this is written in JavaScript, by the way. We have a Java version as well for anyone who's interested in learning about how to implement this in Java. But you can see here, we've got that data that we're coming in and we're just assigning it to a constant. We're then making sure that the latitude and longitude are present in that property. And if not, we're just gonna throw an error. And then you can set the length of results that you would like. So in this case, we've got length here as data.length. And then we have here uh, where we're gonna go and do stuff. So, so first off, just, just to recap what we're doing. So we've got our event, which has the payload. We're then assigning that to the constant of data. We're making sure that the latitude and longitude are present in that payload. And then we're checking the length. And if not, if it's not been provided, we're just gonna set it to five. So then what we wanna do is go through and take all of those schools from that schools data that we imported, that large file. And then we're gonna go through and calculate the distance between the current location and those hundreds of thousands of records. And so obviously that's not an easy thing to do. It takes time. And so down here, we have just the math calculation here. Just find the distance between the current latitude and longitude of the user and then the latitude and longitude of the school that's been provided in the sheet. And it's gonna iterate through all of those and do that calculation. And then it's going to take them. It's going to sort them by the distance and then just take the number of results that we've asked for and return them, okay? When I tried writing this in Apex, it took a very long time um, and I ended up scrapping the project completely uh, just because it's, it's, it just, it's just outside the remit of the things that you can do. Because we're working with a large data set, we need it to be fast because we wanna be able to call this right from the UI. Does that kind of make sense around why, why you would do it in a function? It does. Yes, and I does. can't wait to go play with these now that I've got some more background on them and do more than I was. Yeah. Can you can you can you back this up for me as a as an yeah. architect with a code developer in parentheses? So this so you've got VS Code open. You have opened a project mm -hmm. that you're going to deploy to where? Okay. So let's go back to the slides. And for if a you second. tell me NDA again or or can't talk about it, I'm hanging up and this <laughs> session is over. And really yeah. quick, before you go into his, what is the name of your repo again? Uh, it's functions recipes. Okay, functions recipes. And it's not yeah. under your name though, in your repo, it's no. under- It's under Trailhead Apps. Trailhead, yeah, trailhead apps, apps, functions recipes. Yeah. Perfect, mm -hmm. go ahead, sorry. Yeah, of course. No, um, so I actually don't have that slide in here, but that's fine, I can talk about it. So um, your functions are running in a space that's parallel to your org with inside our trusted infrastructure. And so when you deploy your functions, they're running inside of a Docker container that is then hosted 
on a server that your org has direct access to. Okay. And so you're not like, and I'll show you how to call this from Apex in a minute, but you're not actually having to go out and do the call out. So when you deploy functions, you'll see them build and deploy into your, your company's space. And with that space, they can then be referenced within from Salesforce. And they're pretty much spun up every time you need access. And okay, so, so are they're they not constantly running. So do, is there a configuration, like a sandbox configuration inside of the org mm -hmm. setup that you can say, I have this many containers, as many nodes, as much CPU? Um, um, so, so you have a, a prod space and a test space, okay? Your, your prod space is automatically connected. Every time you spin up a scratch org or a sandbox, it references your test space and you authenticate through your production space. It's slightly confusing, but what if you walk through the dev guide, it's pretty easy to get set up. Okay. And so you can then have your list of environments. Uh, that, and then all of, your, all of your, yeah. Sorry, and so all of your, thank you. All, all of your functions live together in that space as well. So when you deploy a function, you're deploying all of them. Okay. So when you deploy from your local environment, you're deploying all your functions. Got and it. currently you. You, you have to develop them locally. To okay. get them, to get them. Pushed. Okay, that's good to know too. All right. Mm -hmm. Yeah, but but what's what's great about this is so I've got, I've got a lot of comments in here. Okay, got a lot of comments. Got a little bit of code, and it's it's ninety lines of JavaScript, including all of the spaces, all the padding, all the comments. Okay. If you have a super confident JavaScript developer, even if you have a mediocre JavaScript developer at your company, they've probably written functions before because. This is almost identical to writing a function in AWS, on Azure, or anywhere, okay? Because it's using web standards to accomplish this. The only difference is you have that direct access to your Salesforce org and data. So taking this function here, so we've got our schools function. Um, if I go into Apex here, once that's deployed, it's super easy to get access. And so in this case, I have our Invoke process large data function class. Okay. We can literally just call the functions namespace here in Apex and define a function and then get it by its name. That's it. So all we have to do is have our functions name and then the name of our space as well. And we have our function that we can invoke. And so we've called this our large our LDV function for large data volumes. And once we get it using the functions namespace, we have it in our Apex class. Then all we have to do is call large data function invoke and pass in our payload. Then from there, you can see here if there's any errors for the invocation, we can respond them. We can get the response from the invocation and then return the response. So it's super simple. So we've got 90 lines of JavaScript, 26 lines of Apex. And we've got a function that does all of that work for us. So then when we want to use it, in this case, this one is written for us to get from a Lightning Web component. So in that case, I can go into my LWC here for our process large data function component. And in my JavaScript, I'm just importing that method. So I'm importing that invoke method here from my process large data function class. Okay, and then in this one, I'm gonna go, I'm gonna do a couple of things first. I'm gonna get the geolocation of the current user 
just so that I know that I can get their location to calculate the distance. If it's not provided, they live at Salesforce Tower if they blocked access to their location. And then when I want to go and get the nearby locations, all I have to do is construct that payload here in the constant. So I've got this user's latitude, longitude, and then the length of the results they would like. And then I can just call that invoke method, pass it the payload, and then do what I need to do with the data. Um, and in this case, I'm just gonna assign it to a lightning map, okay? But the important bit is, all I have to do is call that invoke method and pass it the payload. And it's gonna take that payload and just put it right into the function. And that's what's important to remember is when you're communicating with functions, all you're passing in is that payload and getting back a response. There's no complex or, or convolutedness to that communication. You can then assign your parameters as you'd like within your function and your Apex class, but you're just passing that string payload back and forth. Okay, so if you wanna see what this looks like real quick, um, in the functions recipe tab, we have the, some implementation examples here. And in this case, like I said, we've got an LWC here that's going to take the, in that number of results. So let's say we want 15 results back. And if I go back into the function, just so you can see the correlation there, um, I've got my large data function. Let's go, let's go JavaScript still. Here, I've got that length here that I'm passing in as that property. So that's how it determines how many results that I'd like. And here's where you can see that it's gonna go ahead and slice those so that it only gives me what I want back. So I want 15 results and I can invoke it. I could give the browser my location. Oh, it's turned off. So I live in San Francisco today. And it should be running that function. And it's gone through, processed through all that data and given me those 15 nearest locations to me in that function, super quick. That is pretty darn snazzy, dude. Yeah. It's, Talk about a time it, saver and an effort saver. That's going to help yeah. with projects. That's going to help with stress. Yeah, mm -hmm. It's going to be fun to play with. Now that yeah. I know that how far I can take, I have an <laughs> idea how much further I can start taking it. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. It's super, super easy to get started. Um, now, going back to your question about flow. So I've done the same thing, except with an invocable method here. And if you don't know what an invocable method is, um, it enables you to call an Apex method from Flow and or Process Builder, but let's talk about Flow um, and give it a label and then format the data structure to a way that Flow accepts. And so in this case, um, once again, we just have our payload that's coming in from the Flow. We're going to just go and get our function. We're going to serialize the payload and invoke it and come back with our response. And so here we have our response from our function. We have our output that we're gonna to send to the flow and send that over. And the only difference between the method that we're calling from a lightning web component to the one we're calling from flow is that we just have to define the inputs and outputs in the format that flow needs. So in this case, we are going to input the latitude, the longitude and the length as specific properties. And then we're gonna output the list of schools. And this defines what a school is. So the name description, street, city, state and zip code. So now when I go into setup here, I can show you what that looks like inside of Flow. I have our Flow example. I'm just gonna go ahead and bookmark that I am wanting to make a progressive insurance joke. <laughs> 
Um, of course. But I'm not going to. No worries. Yeah, so here's our apex action where we're just passing in the input values here. So our latitude, our length, and our longitude. Um, and then the flow is going to decide where it assigns the properties when they come back. And then just display them on a screen. So it's super simple, but we just wanted to show how you can call the flow from or call the function from flow directly. And so if I go then into our implementation examples, I'm start that over. Um, and I'm going to make up a fake latitude and longitude. We'll see where it puts us. Um, put a minus there. Okay. And when I press next, it's going to pass that to the function and return the result right for my flow. And so apparently I'm in Hawaii. Oh, okay. Huh. I picked Hawaii as my, my Latin launch, or at least that's the nearest one to it. So maybe it's somewhere in the Pacific Ocean. That, well, you, that's, just, that's just an example. Aren't Latin launch usually two digit number, decimal numbers, and you gave it like a six digit? I did, but it's- It's, it's, it's big. Yeah. yeah. It, okay. So I've got another question for you. I'm a very <laughs> visual person, Stephen. I'm so sorry. Mm -hmm. So I'm sitting here watching this, and this is all pretty cool and stuff. And I'm going, all right, so I now know some of the finance stuff I can do with the inter-replacement apex and do work with flow. Mm -hmm. um, what can I do with like Slack and bots? Yeah. Yep. With functions. So it, in this instance, all of the transactions have to go through apex. And so there isn't any other okay. in way of getting to the function other than okay. via Apex. And so you can call it through an invocable through a bot, because obviously the same invocable methods that we're using with flow, you can call from bots. Um, you just have to provide the output in the way that the bot likes. Um, you can also, I guess, you can also put Lightning Web Components into bots as well. So you could technically put this, if it were big enough, into the bot. You'd have to rejig the UI a little bit, but you can put this entire LWC into a bot prompt the user to return it and show it based on the criteria that's been put in. Um, from Slack, um, if you have a Slack app that's communicating with Salesforce, you can get access to a function, but you kind of have to go through a couple of a couple of layers to get there. But if I use the Slack API, I can do it. Like if I built out a Slack app to the Slack API, did you go or? Because I've been working on some Slack apps that uh, yeah. work with Salesforce to do like some mm -hmm. XC4Cs. Um, I've gotten really big into it. I can't seem to stop. Yeah. yeah, yeah, no, no. There's some really cool stuff you can build with Slack apps. It's just the the, the key to functions to understand is it has to group through Salesforce. Like okay. the transaction has to hit Salesforce at some point to get access to the function. Gotcha. Because when you said onboarding, yeah. my head immediately went to yeah. Slack because that's oh totally that I was just building out was onboarding in Slack. Yeah, 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 big time. Yeah, um, eventually on the roadmap to be able to access them externally, but it's not something that's sort of in the near near term for functions. Okay. It, is your are you able to to use the functions? Sorry, I'm trying not to call them lambdas. Mm -hmm. um, <laughs> your your functions can so normally they're meant to be fairly stateless um, and mm -hmm. not have external connectivity. You're you're passing it a file, having it process file, and mm -hmm. sending the results back. Are you able to make web calls out from mm -hmm. the function stack to other? Yep other locations and how are those marshaled as far as licensing Salesforce connect are those considered do those do those count as your Salesforce outbound connections uh, okay. I'm gonna guess you would because you've got yeah. trusted sites inside your repo yeah <laughs> yeah so um, the functions themselves um, can make callouts wherever you want them to on the web including to Salesforce okay it's important to note that your API bucket limit is separate. So it's a separate API limit from calling into Salesforce or writing into Salesforce. 
there are no limits for calling out. You can call out as much as you like. And when you talk about them being stateless, they're, they're spun up in a container when you need them. So each function, every time you need it, it's spun up in a container and you have access to it for that period of time. And so it will take them in order as they're received and return the results back. And you can call it as much as you like to anywhere. Um, yeah. There's an stateless example is, that we have. Yeah. Sorry, stateless is the wrong word. I, I think there's yeah, a, an analog to anonymous and they're, they're not supposed to have data. There's data's not supposed to persist it doesn't, inside yeah. of a true anonymous yep. function. So that's yeah, there, there, is, there is no data store as part of functions. Everything that exists in the transaction, if you want to keep it, you've got to pass it back in the response to Salesforce. So for example, in that, in that large data function, we're calculating the distance for all of those schools. Once we, once we have the top five or top 10, we don't need the rest of it. And so it's, it's, it's trashed in the transaction once the transaction's complete and pass its response back. Now you can do DML against Salesforce objects from your function using the Salesforce SDK as well, which is important to note. And so if I go quick into the slides, and we've already been kind of through the anatomy and how to invoke. Um, but the function, specifically the one for Node, is super helpful, great to know, um, and it allows you to query data from Salesforce. It allows you to perform DML against Salesforce, uh, get access to the org, get access to the user, and call the Salesforce APIs because you have a session ID, which is very helpful. Um, an example that we've been working on lately is, I think I talked about it at the last user group meeting, is actually processing an integration through a function. And so each time the function is run, for example, maybe you want to schedule it daily in a batch, it's calling up to an external server, getting a CSV, and then taking that CSV and then pushing it through the bulk API so that you're doing that data integration, doing an upsert of a large file through a function, which is something you would normally have to have a middleware solution for. So in this case, you can actually, in the function, go and get the file, pass it to the bulk API, and upsert all of the data into Salesforce through the function which cuts a lot of corners that you would normally have to take to do an integration like that. Slightly mm -hmm. silly question. Mm -hmm. Are they easily deployable? Or is mm -hmm. one of those roundabout weird different APIs inside the D uh, yeah. No, so you have to deploy them through SFDX. Um, okay. but, but literally it's got to be DX. It does, yeah. So but all I have to do is run SF deploy now in my command line. But a, an admin couldn't deploy it through a change set? No, not functions. Because okay. okay. they don't live they don't live in your org, Salesforce. They're, they're hosted parallel. What about that yeah, new so dev case, center that's supposed to, supposedly coming out or possibly in beta or pilot? At, at the moment, as far as I'm aware, functions aren't included in that. Okay. Functions are hosted slightly separately. Yeah. Don't and so in this up. case, <laughs> stuff sorry, you can't I'm talk so... about. Yeah. And they I'm sorry, are... I'm sorry. So, so it's important to note that the functions do have to be managed through Git as well. So you have to have them on a Git branch to deploy them. Forced source control. Oh my gosh, I really yeah. love these things. That's amazing. Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah. So, so for example, so you can see here, it's oh, I've not I've not set that up properly. Um, I've got to see. I've got to add this. Uh, Sorry for all the weird questions. Of course, I'm no, in a right. phase right now, and I've got to think about deployment and how we have third this one offs. Yeah, that's okay. Yeah, no, it's, I'm so glad you're here, Megan, or it would just be me making dad jokes and trying to understand this. So, so here, yeah, so here it's going to push my changes. Great. 
And so it's deployed all of my changes to functions. There isn't anything. So either way, it'll usually do the build and deploy steps and push them into the space so that they're up to date in the org. Nice. Uh, how long until they time out? Um, so they, they don't. So they're, they're spun up on demand. Well, what if I, I spin it up on demand like, and it doesn't, like, it, would it time out or would it just go forever? Like, um, what if it's got a, a, something that gets it in a loop or something? That's a good question um, that I don't have an answer to, but not a problem that I've seen yet in all of our testing. And we've, Julian and I have broken functions a few times already. <laughs> You've never seen when phases. I did DX when it came out. I couldn't <laughs> stop making scratch orgs for days. Uh. That's funny. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I mean, you'll probably get an email from your account manager. That's what would happen. Gotcha. Okay. Because you've hit your million invocations already. I'm, I'm still waiting for them to track my flow pattern back to me. I'm, I'm assuming I'm going to get some emails pretty soon. Yeah. My yeah. infinite yeah. flows. Yeah. And then do you have any, like, uh, speaking of limits, what about, like, uh, so if there's not like a, a timeout limit or a connection limit, what about like a, a, a size limit or like a payload limit? Yeah. There is, um, I, I have to pull up the limits doc. All good, um, all hold good. On. I've got it here. Uh, where is it? Limits. There is a limits doc here for everyone to and go can through. You, can you check for your limits? Like you can in your apex with your function? Can you check for <laughs> your you check? limits? Yeah. Uh, Ooh, that's a great question. I'm not sure actually how to get the functions limits. That's okay. a good a good question. I'm sorry. There are, yeah, because there are limits, obviously. Yeah. Um, but something. Be, yeah. Um, yeah. Some something something to call back to, okay. and I can come back to in the in the chat at the bottom. But really, my my tip is just to, to get the functions recipes app, and it will kind of give you a, a great idea around how to use functions. Like so, for example, just a quick rundown before we finish up here. And put um, the link to the repos in the chat if you wanted to have it up at least look at this stuff too yeah yeah totally um but so like for example say we want to query from salesforce yeah. um this is a function that will just show you how to run a SQL query from your function so say you're doing your oh. calculation you need to go back and query for some more data from the org you can do that if you need to get the org info so this is an example of how to use that org info class here and just get like the api version the url the domain and i can like for example i can run this from the ui and it's going to get back all of that stuff from the function and so you have really access to almost everything that you need. And the last thing I wanted to talk about is the unit of work pattern, um, which is a, a wider programming concept, but really applied well in functions. And it allows you to go through and create a unit of work here, which is essentially um, a, a transaction as part of a graph within Salesforce. So if you've heard of the composite graph API, um, it allows you to take like an account and a contact and a case and assign the IDs and up insert them all in one go without having to actually loop through and wait for one to be created. It knows how to string together those relationships. And that's what this does inside of functions. And so for example, I can create an account where here I'm just assigning the name and then I can create a contact here and I'm registering that create and then passing in that account ID as just a reference and then doing the same thing with a case and another follow-up case. And so it allows me to take that and associate the parent ID, the account ID, the contact ID from the previous operation, and adds them to that unit of work and literally just go ahead and commit those into Salesforce. So it will then go ahead and commit that unit of work and bring back the response. And so it can create all of those records in Salesforce in one go. And you can 
have 500 groupings of those. So you could have 500 accounts, contacts, and 1,000 cases all in that single transaction, which is super helpful for large data projects. Quick question. Is there any mm -hmm. limit on which objects you can use? For example, enterprise territory management. Can I use my rule item in my object rule in my territory? So the permissions are granted uh, to the automated process user okay. through a functions permission set. Okay. Okay, and so anything that there? you can add, yeah, anything you can add to that functions permission set, you should be able to have access to. And so if there's anything that territories, we should be fine. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And if, if you if you awesome. don't, let us know, and we'll make sure that it can be added to that user. Okay, I'm gonna let you know how it goes this weekend. How about that? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yep. Ping, and ping me, ping me if you have any questions. Awesome. Um, you know, and, loading territories and territory yeah. rules and rule items is kind of a pain in the butt. It's always trying to import them. It's like the weird metadata you can deploy or import. Um, yeah. yeah. Oh my gosh, I'm so excited. That could just solve one of my deployment mm -hmm. hour issues. Thank you. Well, and that puts me to the last point that I wanted to make, and that's how to get started with functions. And so even if you don't have a functions enabled org, you can write functions locally and you can connect it to your org. And so you can write the function and you can invoke it from the command line without having access to Salesforce functions in a production org or in a scratch org. So that's the easiest way to get started. So before you get a functions org, download functions and play around with them in the command line and you can invoke them and get your Salesforce data and perform transactions on your local machine without needing an org, okay? However, there are some functions trials orgs. They are limited. So I ask that you only request one if you're going to use it within the next 30 days. And you can get that at sfdc.co forward slash FN trial and get access to functions, okay? But only do it if you have time to play around with functions or if you have a use case. Or you can contact your account manager and have functions enabled in your production org if you're a customer. But so everyone can get their hands on functions now. They're in an enterprise trial org though. So they're valid for 30 days. And then at the end of that 30 days, you can sign up for another one or your org will be given to another lovely person who would like to have <laughs> access to functions. More deserving user, got it. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, and on top of that, I mean, that's pretty much the gist of what I, what I wanted to show today. Does anyone else have any other questions? Do either of you have any other points you wanted to, to go through real quick? No, it's phenomenal. This, I, I think I almost awesome. understand it. So um, great. Yeah, this was this was really cool. I I really I guess I do have another question. Uh, mm -hmm. Previously, was functions only available to people in certain industry um, orgs, or is am I losing my mind? Yeah. No, it was it was in pilot and beta for a while. Okay. It just went GA, um, and now everyone has access. But it's not okay. been in a in a production GA state for specific industries. It was open to everyone at the same time. Gotcha. I was thinking it was in a financial services org. Mm -hmm. All good. Cool. Maybe my client was just piloting. Yeah. yeah. So yeah, I know my my I'm still processing. So I'm not going to yes. have enough. I mean, I'll have questions about an hour later about after I. Look, into bed. I, I think, well, I think this has been great. I think it, it's definitely worth having a follow-up as well. Yeah, so no, this is super we've gone through, we've gone through a start. I think it'd be great to have a follow-up in a couple of weeks as well to go through some more around functions as ideas go. And as we're, we're still learning as well and taking this message out and around on tour. Yeah, Megan and I can go try and break them. <laughs> yes, yeah. please do. Come back oh. with, your, with your own demo. <laughs> oh, I am going to do my best to try to break this, mm. but I'm also going to do my best to try to get all that territory stuff all set with this <laughs> that you just showed yeah. me. Yeah, yeah, totally. Yeah, and go and take our code on Functions Recipes. I That's already the did. Easiest yeah. way to get started. Yeah, cool. Yeah.
Perfect. Like I didn't do that while you were talking. Jeez, come on, Steve, you know me better than that. <laughs> All right, well, great. Thank you very much, Stefan. I'm going to go ahead and wrap the... Uh, the recording right here. Uh, Stefan's given you all of his information. He's easy to find. He's one of the uh, most common, most technical speakers, uh, easy, <laughs> easy to access and very prolific. So I'm not going to spend a whole lot of time trying to help people find you since you are very easily findable uh, for those who are interested. Megan, thank you for uh, joining last minute and adding uh, some great commentary. Uh, we will follow up. I hope maybe do another session. Uh, uh, but in the start of December, uh, sneak one out and I invite one or two more people here and uh, build on this. Thank you again. Awesome. Thanks all. Of course. See you later.